Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite, change, and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix, a master plan for Black group economics with wealth creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr., Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity. This isn't just a book. It's a movement. A call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear. Drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey. Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. Lecture 7, Mark 1, 9 through 13, Heaven on Earth and the triumph of the second Adam. All right, well, welcome all of you. We definitely appreciate you. We are still in our uh, series. It's been a wonderful, good time. You will need your Bible. You will, you will need your Bible or, or, okay, app or whatever it is that you have. You definitely will need it. Mark chapter 1 is where we're going. Verses 9 through 13. Uh, yes, 9 through 13. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. But let's do a little recap, because now we're going into Mark. We spent five weeks in Matthew, but we spent five weeks in Matthew answering a particular question. And so the title of this particular series is called What If? But it's answering the question, what is the message of the New Testament if the New Testament only contained Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Very a uh, powerful question, and that's why it's what if, right? Because the reason I'm calling it what if, because what if the New Testament only had those books? What is the message of the New Testament if it only consisted 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And for you new people who are in the room, or new people maybe listening, let's, let's, here's a few things we immediately um, exposed or expelled. You can't say it's justification by faith. You can't, because that's, that's, that's Romans, that's, that's Paul. That's, that's the only time justification is mentioned inside the Gospels is in the Pharisee and the tax collector collector, that, that gospel, I mean, excuse me, that pericope, which means episode that is found in the gospel of Luke. And so you'll find out that there are some things that have happened, but a lot of our theology is theology of Paul's letters that we then read through and interpret or reinterpret the gospel through. And in truth, it's, and, and, and at no point am I telling you that uh, Paul and Jesus are saying different things. That's, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying. However, if you say that to preach the gospel means to preach Jesus Christ, right? If you say that, then you're forced to say Jesus Christ did not preach the gospel, right? Because it's, it's, a, it's a conundrum. It's a, if you say that to preach the gospel is to preach the death, burial, and resurrection right, of Jesus Christ, and that's what you've heard all your life, then you're, you're actually inaccurate. And you're not trying to be. It, it, it's, not a, um, it's, it's not intentional. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you err, if you're going to err and be wrong, I'd much rather you be wrong by preaching Jesus Christ. Right? I would, if you're going to err, and be absolutely wrong. That's a great way to be wrong. Ain't that right, Pastor Temple? <laughs> if, you, if all you do is talk about Jesus, well, we ain't got no problem with that at all. And the Lord will be glorified, right? There's more, though. Right? The Bible didn't start with Jesus' death. Because, because you have to think about it this way, and, and hopefully I'm, I'm trying to slow down a little bit because we're still answering this question. And it took us five books to do it in just Matthew, but we're not even done because it, now Mark has something to say. I want to tell you about Mark a little bit. But there's so many different things that are going on here, so many different nuances that we need to pay attention to. Like, for instance, the Bible didn't start with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you can, t so you can put so much worth on the death and resurrection, which is a good thing. It needs to be revered and respected, and honored, and we need to thank God that Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose so we can live again. Point blank. We need to do that. But what about Jesus' life? Right? See, the, the, see these are questions that we inadvertently disrespect when we only focus on one thing. Yes, his death did amazing things, but wouldn't you say his life did too? The mere fact that God decided to send his son has to weigh equally with the mere fact that God decided to kill his son. Does that make sense? Right. Does that make sense? You, 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 you there real quick. Does that make sense? You're going to have to understand that his death was important, but so was his life. We're not just saved because he died. I would even argue so much so that we're actually saved because he lived. Amen. Right? <laughs> right? Amen. Because he wrapped himself in the human experience, 
then we now have an example of how to be human and be righteous. It's not just that Jesus died that saves us. It does. I'm not taking from that. But then wouldn't we be able to say, well, he died. I'm good. (laughs) Wouldn't we be able to say, well, now that I'm in, I can go live my old life no more. I'm going to be saved. Doesn't matter what I do now. If you only focus on his death, then I can say, okay there, pastor, I believe now, baptize me. Now, let me go and do anything that I want to do. And it doesn't matter about my life because Jesus died so I can live in heaven. And all that's wrong, right? And it's not wrong to say that Jesus did not die so you can live in heaven, right? And to be honest with you, heaven will pass away. There's a new earth and a new heaven that's coming. But that's a different story for a different series or maybe even a different part when we get to it. However, it's important to understand that if that's your theology, if you, only, if you are only concerned that the gospel is the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then you have that theology. You have the theology in which you say, that's fine. Jesus is my Savior, but he's not my Lord. I'm going to heaven, but I don't have to change today. I'm sure that when I die, I'm going to get to heaven, but as for now, I don't have to be kind to my brother and my sister. So certainly, Jesus' life had a lot of weight to it and the way he lived, but because he lived, shows us how we should live. So it has to be more to the gospel. Has to be more to the gospel than just the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And all that's true, but don't forget, Paul adds comma according to scriptures. And that's what we're opening up. That's what we're unpacking. That it's not just that Jesus died that was amazing. In fact, if you ask me personally, it was the, the true miracle of Jesus Christ. It's not that he died and that he rose again. Oh, that's amazing. That's, in fact, you can even attribute that to the Holy Spirit or the, or the Father. The true miracle of Jesus Christ is that he was all man as well as our God. But let's focus on the man part right now. And he did not sin. That's amazing. It wasn't his divinity that kept him from sinning. No. He chose not to sin in his human flesh. That's important because we, 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 we want to make Jesus so divine that he could not sin. He is and he was and still is so divine, but he also is so human. We, we, have, to, we have to respect that he's 100% human, 100% man, and he had every opportunity to sin. And he chose not to, not with his divinity side with his human side he resisted the temptation to sin and that's where we end up in Mark chapter 1 verse 9 so let's read this text because what is the message of the gospel what's the what's the message of what is Matthew Mark Luke and John trying to tell us if we never had another book after that if we never had Acts that's telling us about the church if we never had Paul if we never had anything else Now, before we read, most scholars would tell you that Mark is more than likely the first to have written his gospel. About 60, 65, 70 AD. He's more than likely the first. And the other two use him as reference and then go on and use some other sources as well. Matthew, I mean, excuse me, Mark chapter 1, verse 9. In those days, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. 
In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. You can stop reading, but keep your Bibles open. There's so much going on here. So this section, and we, we, we argued what Matthew was trying to say. Now we're going to argue what Mark is trying to say. And I want to I hit you with something that I want you to see. Every time you read from Mark from now on, I want you to see that Mark's entire gospel seems to be strongly suggesting that everybody knew who Jesus was except for the people who were supposed to know who Jesus was. And we'll, we'll open it up. And we'll, it's called Mark's Ironic Vision, and we'll, we'll open it up as we continue. But I want to point out two things here. So here's, here's another piece of the gospel that Mark is opening up with. He's opening up with the heaven has touched earth, number one, and then at the same time, there's a second Adam. And let's open it up real quick. So here is, oh, did I read? Oh, let me read 12 and 13. The spirit immediately drove him out of the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan, and he was with wild animals and angels ministering to him. Now, that's the two parts. The two parts are the kingdom is coming to heaven. Excuse me. Heaven is touching earth and we have a second Adam. Now, now don't miss this here because this isn't just about God reaching his wonderful, large, omnipotent hand and rescuing us from a troubled, sin-filled world and escaping us into heaven so we can walk around heaven all day like a lot of our gospel songs say. That is not theologically accurate. God always intended for you to be the salt of the earth on earth, not be salty in heaven. What, what, what is the purpose? What, is the, what pleasure will God receive? How can God receive the glory if he reaches you from what needs to be saved and enthrows you and places you gently into everything that is saved? God always intended for you to always be on mission, not just going to mission, but on mission. Every day of your life, you're on mission to change somebody. And how can you change somebody when you're not around someone who needs to be changed? Does that make sense? It is important. If you spend 40 hours a week on your job, but only spend two and a half hours a week in church, do you think God is so ignorant in which he did not know that you were going to work more than you worshiped? And then he said, don't worry about being on mission at work. Just give me what you have while you're here on Sunday morning. Now, surely that doesn't sound like God, but that's exactly how we treat him. That's exactly how we treat God. We say, Lord, 
I'm here. Now that I'm left, now that I'm gone, I'm going to work, and I have nothing to do with any church. I'm going to cuss because they cuss. I'm going to gossip because they gossip. I'm going to fornicate because they fornicate. Whatever they do on the job, I'm going to blend in, and I will not be the salt of the earth like you commanded me to be. And so Mark's saying, Jesus, this, this, this hidden Messiah, he's, this is his first, according to Mark, public appearance. He has been hidden on purpose. Because he even tells in another gospel, his mother, woman, it's not my time yet. Right? It's you, you're trying to get me to do something earlier than what the Lord wants me to do. But since you ask and I have the power, allow for me to do it now. That's John chapter 2, the wedding of Canaan, right? And so you have it in which Jesus has been hidden. Another gospel records that even at 12 years old, he was sitting and they tried to get him to start his ministry. Well, no, he tried to start his ministry at 12 years old and then he was obedient to his mother. Now, now, if Jesus was obedient to his mother with his bad self, surely <laughs> we ought to be obedient to our mothers, right? To our parents and to one another. And so here it is, his first public appearance immediately. And this is a this is a this is a, a theme that always shows up in the book of Mark. It, it, Mark has this the shortness of the Gospels. He has this 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 haste about him immediately, straightway. He's immediately going to it's, it's, it's a fast paced in Mark. And Mark is saying the moment he hit the water and rose up, the sky opened up. And there you have it. You have it to where this, this God in heaven opens up the heavens to be highly pleased with the God on earth. And, and so now this gospel thing is beginning to change because you have it in which you have the God in heaven ministering and, no, no, not ministering yet. He's, he's pleased with the God in he, on earth and the dove begins to minister on his shoulder. So here you have it to where all three entities of God in the same place at the same time in one place and it's at the Jordan River in which everything started in which every promise was obtained which the Jews knew that this was a special place and the Messiah they have been waiting for shows up as a peasant that's glorified by God himself. Isn't it amazing that God looks at the heart and not at the statue of man? Amen. He, he, Jesus is he's penniless. He's not ordained. He doesn't have any educational degrees. He hasn't been trained as a Pharisee. Now, we're talking about all worldly, right? We know Jesus is all, and we know he is the word, so he doesn't need to be trained. But we're talking about their perception, this penniless carpenter. That's not even a job of worthy nobility. This, this poor man is so special, the sky opens up, and the spirit comes down. And God himself says, this is my beloved son. Aren't you glad that if you were the poorest person on planet Earth, 
God will still rip open the heavens for you and say, because you are with me, you are my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. Aren't you glad that it doesn't take to be a knight or a CEO billionaire for the Lord to say, servant, well done. It's amazing how God has always looked beyond material things and blessed those who were in him. And so here you have it. You have it to where this heaven, this, this, what was good up there, what was powerful up there is now touching upon earth and it is in complete one accordance with God himself. And that's, that's, that's a big piece of the gospel. What is good about God in heaven is now good about God on earth. And what does Jesus do when he, when he who is of heaven gets set upon by the dove who comes from heaven and then gets an announcement of well-doing from a voice from heaven, takes all these heavenly entities and walks into the wilderness. Yeah. Whew, Lord have mercy. Don't miss this here because now I'm starting to get excited. He is of heaven on earth. He has what is of heaven descending upon him. And Luca tell you now he's filled with it. And then the voice from heaven, the God of heaven says, I'm pleased with what's happening on earth with this son of whom I'm well pleased. I'm filling him with me. And this is of my glory. And the one thing Jesus does, he takes every bit of the God in him, the God on him and the God looking at him. And he walks into a terrible situation. Amen. Don't dare try to walk in the wilderness of your life. Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Alone without God. <laughs> it's one thing to walk in the wilderness. But first off, notice that Jesus was of God, from God. It's one thing to be from God, but if you don't have God in you, Lord have mercy, you're still alone. And if you don't have God to look down on you and say, I'm pleased with your behavior, I wish I had somebody, you still can't go through the wilderness. And so... We have it in which this heaven, this, this kingdom, this, 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 this wonderful mark, as he's writing, says heaven is touching earth and all is well. But not just heaven is touching earth. Now he's saying we have a second Adam. Listen to the second Adam. Listen to what is happening. He's saying that the spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. Now, if you remember that it is the spirit that drove Jesus into the wilderness and Mark is trying to pose the question. We're answering the, the question, what is the gospel? What's the message of the New Testament if it only consisted of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John? Right? And that dispels many other questions or many other answers we would have. We would love to say justification by faith, but that's not actually in the gospel. And again, we're not saying that Paul is saying something different from Jesus. We're getting a greater and deeper understanding of what the gospel is. And in another recap, we said earlier that if you say to preach Jesus Christ is the gospel, 
then you have to automatically say Jesus Christ never preached the gospel because he didn't preach himself, or did he? Right? And that's what we're answering. Right? And so, and basically, but he, and so we'll, we'll, we'll go on for that. So you have it now to where Jesus, according to Mark chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, the kingdom of heaven is now touching upon earth, and that's, that's right there in the baptism. Right there in the baptism is touching on earth, and now being from God, being of God, God descending upon him, and God saying, I'm pleased with him and his behavior, he walks into the wilderness, and now Mark shifts to now Jesus encounters the devil. And so Paul spends a lot of time, especially in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 22, Paul spends a lot of time arguing that one Adam came into the world and a second Adam came into the world. When one Adam brought death into the world, another Adam brought life into the world. In Genesis chapter 3, one Adam brought death with sin in the whole gospel, right? And with Paul's argument in Romans chapter 5, the other Adam brought life into the world, not just with the cross. Amen. We like to run there, but it was with his life. It was with the fact that he, while living, obeyed all the covenants. He, while living, became a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. And so now Mark is saying that he walks into this wilderness, he encounters the devil, but this time he wins. See, you see it? So, so there's two pictures going on right here in this Mark 9 through 13. One, kingdom of heaven is touching down on the kingdom of man. And they're joining together in one place. And where this kingdom is together in one place, everything on earth shall be blessed in that place. Right? Jesus Christ. And then where, at, where, de where the devil won at first, he loses now. Where he won in the garden, he loses in the wilderness. Oh, that makes me feel so excited, right? He, where he once triumphed, the new Adam killed everything and made everything live. So, in, in conclusion, in order to find out what's the message of the New Testament, if it only concluded Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Right? And this is now the sixth week. We did five in Matthew, now we're doing one in Mark, and we do five in each one. No longer, I believe we just about proved that it's not just the death, burial, and resurrection, but it's comma according to scriptures. Everything that God did, he did through Jesus Christ by fulfilling and bringing to great completion the entire story and narrative of Israel. God didn't waste a jot or a tittle. He didn't start over because he made a mistake. He didn't say, well, David messed up. He didn't say, well, they didn't get it right. God said, I'm going to fulfill what I said. Even if they don't get it right, I'm going to get it right. And I'll send somebody in human form who gets it right as a human just happens to also be all God. Let me pray for you, Lord. We thank you <clears throat> that we can 
boasting new knowledge of you. There have been times in our lives in which we, well, we boasted for quite less. We boasted over our football team, what we were going to drink tonight and all other sorts of stuff. But now as we get older, we, we just boast and getting closer to you. Understanding you a bit more. And we love you and we appreciate you. Help us to go out and preach the gospel. Not just slaughtering people with the word of God. But loving them with your entire narrative. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. When the pandemic began, I had the biggest problem in the world. Not making money. The pandemic was actually quite a blessing for me as it almost made me a billionaire. I came really close. So the pandemic was a blessing. It was hiring people. And get this, everybody. I had 48 job positions open during the pandemic. $22 an hour with paid training. And I could not find a single person for two years to fit any of those 48 job positions. Hear me well. 48 job positions. $22 an hour. Paid training. And I couldn't find someone, not one person, for those job positions. Now, is it because I hire slowly? True. But it's because I wasn't using ZipRecruiter. And that's a fact. I wasn't getting to the right people for the right position to fit my right culture. And there are so many different things that you can do this summer. As a matter of fact, you can free up as much time as you want to. But if you're not using ZipRecruiter, you're probably not going to free up that time if you're attempting to hire people. So what is ZipRecruiter? What is probably the greatest job finder that's out there? And that's why you need ZipRecruiter. You need it so you can find the right candidates. Now, it's not that ZipRecruiter helps you find jobs. It's more accurately that ZipRecruiter takes your culture, takes your job, takes what you're looking for, and immediately matches them with the perfect candidate. And if the if it's if they can't find a perfect candidate, they will skip over that person and then give you the perfect candidate for you. ZipRecruiter uses one of its most powerful tools, which is the technology itself, to match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review uh, their recommendations and easily review their recommended candidates and invite these candidates to Apply for your top positions. Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that makes it easy for you to filter out, uh, review, and rate candidates. Four out of five employees uh, have been used by four out of five employers on ZipRecruiter. It is a blessing. And no wonder ZipRecruiter is rated number one hiring site in the world based on G2 satisfaction ratings as of this year, January 1st. 
my friends soak up everything i said it's not an ad this is a personal testimony of how i found the right people to sit in the right seat on the right bus without ZipRecruiter, it wouldn't have been possible so how do you take advantage of what i'm talking about well you go to ziprecruiter.com slash b2b all spelled the regular way that's zip z-i-p recruiter aura e-c aura u-i-t-e-r zip recruiter.com slash b to b and i promise you you will be grateful that you did so again that's zip recruiter.com slash b to b it's also in the show notes